I think it's our tradition. Mm-hmm. It comes out of a particularly painful part of our history. Yes, yes. But it's been the way we've been able to heal. At first, it was a reminder of the rebellion. It was a yes. price the districts had to pay. But I think it has grown from that. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, it's something that knits us all together. This is your third year as game leader. What defines your personal signature? Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Tiana. And this is Next Door Villain. A podcast where we uncover the villains to discover their humanity. Hey, I volunteer. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I volunteer right, to right. start the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Next Door Villain. Today, we're going to talk about a character you may have forgotten, but will be reminded about. Yes. He makes his appearance in... Actually, he barely, if at all, makes an appearance in the book The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. But he's a much more prominent character in the film version. He is the game master, the person who creates the battle zone that all of the people are thrown into in The Hunger Games. He is the entertainment man. Yes. Uh, Have we said his name yet? Did I say it? No, and we're not going to. No, (laughs) they're just going to have to guess. (laughs) Yes, I have to guess. He has a very strange beard. Actually, kind of interesting um, beard. Yeah, well well manicured. Yeah, as a guy who has a beard, how would you rate this guy's beard? Uh, difficult to maintain. <laughs> okay, good. I, <laughs> it, looks, it, it looks very nice, but I just can't imagine having to clean that up every single morning and, and the risk of messing it up. Yeah, he must have like a personal barber or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he does. Of course, uh, we are talking about Seneca Crane, the game master from The Hunger Games. Yeah, so one of the biggest questions that we ask on the podcast is how can we relate to this person? How can we empathize with this person? And it wasn't very easy up front. He is technically a sidekick to a villain. He is a sidekick to Snow, who's basically the major dictator in the Hunger Games. Yeah, but separate from other sidekicks that we've covered, he's not like a a sidekick that was appointed or selected or, or is intentionally a sidekick. He's kind of like almost an unintentional negative player. It's kind of a mix of him having a job and being good at his job and being a pawn for the elite to help continue to suppress people in the districts by making them fight against each other and kill each other and making the show happen. Yeah. What I think was tough for both of us about this character is is how little backstory we get for him and how little time he actually has in the films and the books. Yeah. In the books, Katniss never meets Crane. In fact, I'm not even sure that he's mentioned in the first book other than maybe like alluded to as the game master. It's only later on, I think in the other books when Snow references the fact that Crane was murdered for what he did at the at the end of the the Hunger Games that Katniss participated in, so that that makes him a difficult character to cover. But luckily for us, he did get some airtime yes. in the film version, so we we got to see more of him in that space. And 
I think all those things that you alluded to are, are, are what makes him kind of a complicated character. The fact that he is controlling this game that forces people to fight and kill each other. But he also grew up in this capital area where he was probably brainwashed, most certainly brainwashed, oh, to believe yeah. that the place that he lived, that he lived there for a reason and that the, the other people in the other districts lived there for a reason. If anything, he may very well have just been pursuing a passion or a thing that he grew up learning how to do. And now he is at the peak of his game. And unfortunately, that makes him a pawn of the leadership to help oppress all the other people. But he's not necessarily there because he is an inherently evil person. Yeah, like we said before, he's kind of the entertainment showbiz man. He's also doing what he's good at. And if you grew up in the elite, you are most likely going to continue being in the elite and getting a job with the elite. You're not gonna, I don't know, I'm going to wake up one day and go to District 12 and become a coal miner. Like, that's not your goal in life and certainly wasn't his. So, and that's kind of, I think maybe just how he fell into the job is based on where he grew up and what he is good at. Yeah, I mean, when you grow up in the capital, you don't probably have a lot of choices. And like I said before, is is probably not thinking what he's doing is necessarily evil. He's grown up his whole life to believe that the Hunger Games are a good, positive thing that helps keep order in society. And now he gets to be at the pinnacle of making that happen. In a sense, there's probably some kind of sense of duty and pride that he gets from doing it that's been instilled on him over years and years of brainwashing. Oh, yeah. And we know there's lots of propaganda in that world, too. And he just seems ignorant about what is out there in the districts, which is common, you know, like if you grow up in, you know, in the 1%, you, uh, you may or may not know a whole lot about what's happening out there, at least in this world, right? Because there's a part in the first film where Snow asks him if he's visited districts 10, 11, 12, and he says like, no, like as if that's like a really weird question to ask because mm -hmm. that's never his goal. His goal is not to find out what's out there and he will not go out and see how what he does impacts the people in the districts. Mm -hmm. He probably doesn't think it even has that much of a negative effect. Yeah, which doesn't in, in any way justify what he's doing. Right, yeah. yeah what, what he's doing is truly a terrible thing. Yeah, and you could say he's still kind of making the choice when he's older by not, I don't know, <laughs> researching. But maybe he can't do that either. I don't know. Yeah, we, we just don't know. And I think another possibility that I was thinking of is he may very well be, be trapped in the position, um, even if he was to wake up and realize that what he is doing is a, is a terrible thing. He may not have any other choice because his other choice really is to give up everything in his life to mount a rebellion, which he'll probably get killed for, or to go out and live in one of the other districts where he will basically live a really crappy life. It reminded me a lot of this movie I just watched, Bombshell, which is about the whole Roger Ailes, Fox News sexual harassment scandal. And uh, this might be kind of a stretch, but it, it popped in my mind because I just watched both of these movies very close to each other. But one of the things a lot of the people who were working at Fox News were saying is that they wanted to be journalists and this is where they were able to get their foot in the door. But once they got there and worked up and got better at their jobs and developed a resume, they were trapped there because no one else wanted to take them. And to me, that, that felt like kind of maybe a similar situation to what Crane is in, that now that he's here, he really doesn't have any other options. Yeah. Let's say I'm a person, a part of the elite, 
and I look at it from that perspective, I would probably be so jealous that he has that job. Like that's a great job in a way. Like, of course, I understand as an audience member to that movie, I understand, you know, why it's actually horrible. But it's kind of like, I don't know, I will sometimes look at jobs on Wall Street and I'll be like, that's a really good job. Like you had to probably go to Harvard for that and you probably make a lot of money and you probably have an awesome penthouse in the middle of the city and it's amazing. And sometimes I have to be like, wait, (laughs) understand that that might not be entirely a good thing. I'm sure there are nice, good people who work for Wall Street, maybe. I don't know. But you know, like (laughs) just- um, I I doubt it. You doubt it. But like, you know, it's it's kind of that thing where you, you're like, oh, that's a great job to have. And sometimes we get wrapped up in thinking about it that way with the rose colored glasses. Yeah, for sure. I think we should talk more about the job that he does because yeah. it really plays a very pivotal role in the film, the story, and what's going to happen in the future with the whole society. Seneca creates the storylines in the game that ultimately lead to the uprising and revolution. So what happens, just as a little refresher, is that Katniss and Peeta are kind of playing this pretend love story thing to get people onto their sides. Seneca decides to play up that love story as well because he believes that that creates a good story and that creates good entertainment. And that's what he cares about is the game. But President Snow doesn't like that idea because he is thinking about how to oppress the districts and he thinks that if they go through with the idea of creating this love story that it could create hope and that could lead to revolution but Seneca ultimately ignores his advice and goes for the what he believes will be the better game and then when Peta and Katniss at the very end decide to kill themselves in order to show that they are taking advantage of the system Seneca doesn't let that happen because he can't stand to see the game fail. Like, it's a game. There has to be a winner. And I think that ultimately drives his choices is he wants to create a good game, a good show, good entertainment. And in the past, when he's done that, it's always aligned with what Snow has wanted and oppressing the other districts. But in this case, those two things diverged. In this case, what was a good show was also bad for President Snow. And ultimately, President Snow has him killed because of that. Yeah, and he he did a good job. He actually did create entertainment. It would have been a huge blow to have both Peta and Katniss die. And you know they would have done it if they wouldn't have stopped. And you could say that it was ultimately his decision to let them both live. I am tempted, as we're trying to empathize with him, I, I, I'm tempted to say, oh, he cared about their lives, mm. and that's that's why he let them live. And I don't know, like that could be true. Yeah. Could be a little bit of truth in that, and I, I want to believe that. But ultimately, I think that he, he cared about good entertainment. And yeah. luckily, luckily he did, because that is what really sparks the revolution. If Katniss and Peta had died... Yeah, there might have been riots, but they probably would have died off because they didn't have a strong leader to go with it. But because Katniss and Peta lived and were able to go on, that's what drove the revolution. And so Seneca ends up being the the catalyst for all of that, even though it was probably unintentional. (laughs) Yeah, good job, Seneca. It's implied that Snow killed Seneca for sparking too much hope within the districts and making a decision that he didn't like. And I was like, wow, that is a really rough demotion 
also remi- it reminded me of when you go to your supervisor at work and they say some like vague things about what you need to do for your work and you're like, okay, I think I get it. Even though you're being um, very vague about it to make your request sound nicer than it actually is, I think I get it. Um, and so you think you got it and then you do it. And then you don't got it. So it's like <laughs> the joys of like not meeting expectations when you thought that you did. And you're like, oh, uh, I thought you said to do this. Oh, you said to do this, but not that much of that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I think that's super spot on because when the game was over, I bet, I bet Seneca thought that he had just created his masterpiece like the pinnacle of his career he was probably like this is the best thing that i could have done and then (laughs) and then it turns out that that's not all that they didn't just want great entertainment they wanted more and there there was these other layers to it that he may have not fully understood um, the impact i can tell that villains deal with kind of this dilemma with their sidekicks or their henchmen or hench people or whatever where your sidekick cannot be too dumb so that they do what they want you to do, but they also can't be too smart where they overtake you or defy you and succeed at it because they're smart. It's like you have to like find this weird middle ground mm-hmm. and Seneca almost had it, but then he didn't. Yep. <laughs> so we know that Seneca indirectly kind of contributes to Peta and Katniss leading a rebellion because he helped them survive. <laughs> so we can give him a little bit of credit for that. Not all of the credit for the rebellion, but a little bit, okay? So to, in order to relate to him and kind of the mistakes that he's done, have you made a decision that you thought was right and then had unintended consequences? Because we both know Seneca did not mean to, like, you know, spark a rebellion. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he did probably think that what he was doing was was the right thing to do or right (laughs) he definitely thought that yeah the right thing to do but for still like bad reasons yeah so i mean the unintended consequences are both the rebellion and his own death ouch positive and negative bad what a bad consequence like you know when you make a mistake (laughs) in your life and you're like damn it i made that mistake and it had some like bad consequences but at least you didn't like have to die yeah honestly I, i feel like this happens literally all the time <laughs> uh at, at least for me for, for at work i feel like this this is always happening because in my job I, I work at a college and i'm in a position where i interact with a lot of different departments and i do work for a lot of different departments and i'm always trying to make a decision that's that's going to be best for the most people but the problem is that I, I don't know always what the intentions or what the needs of the res life department are versus the needs of academic affairs versus the needs mm-hmm. of facilities. And so I'm tr- always trying to weigh all of that. And I feel like I'm constantly like, oh, this this is what we're going to do. This is the plan. And then halfway through the plan, all of a sudden someone reaches out and they're like upset because this thing was forgotten about or missed and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I thought about this so much. I put so much thought into it and I thought that I had made the right decision. And then I didn't think about this one random thing that related to this one department that's involved in this. So I, I, to me, I feel like something I'm constantly encountering is just 
always trying to do the right thing, but then not being able to or, or not having all the information to process who it might affect mm-hmm. in, in all, all areas. Yeah, and I think a lot of people can relate to that when collaborating with so many different people. You don't always know what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good example. So when I was in middle school, I thought it would be a good idea to get into anime. And that had really bad unintended consequences. Wait, Who like, knew? Like, wait, like watching anime, reading anime, drawing anime? Like, what do you mean get into it? All of the above. Oh, okay. So, but it's reading manga, not anime. Anime is what you watch. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know the world. And I had like Naruto keychains because I just loved it so much. And I, I guess I didn't fully understand that like making that choice was going to just like ruin my social status for years. <laughs> there was even like a day, I remember this day, I was a freshman in high school, I was in ninth grade, and I had a huge box of anime and manga. And I took all of it and I put it in a closet and I have never liked anime and manga as much as I did since. I had to make this very kind of intense decision to be like, no more, so that I could have cooler friends, so that I could have a better social life, so that I could actually get through my day without being called like dweeb or like people looking at me weird. And so then that made my high school experience better. Of course, fast forward to 2020, apparently liking anime is cool now. <laughs> um, so I messed, I messed that up. And, you know, I'm not the only one out there who went through this, but it, it was actually kind of rough because I would like have a keychain and then these like boys in class would just like pull my hair or just like, I don't want to talk to you. You're a freak or something. And, and I mean, middle school was rough for everyone, even if you didn't like anime. So I guess what I did is I, I put myself out there and I said, hey, here's the target. There's a red dot on my nose. Come at me. That's basically what I ended up doing by showing that I liked anime and manga and and i have watched some anime since then but i have never like gotten into it to the same degree that's really uh really sad i know unfortunately but like a lot of people's middle school experiences were pretty sad unfortunately because people aren't like mature enough to like be decent human beings but they're like old enough to be shitty yeah i don't know what high school is like anymore but hopefully it's getting better. Oh, yeah. Middle school. High school was better middle for me, school. but okay. middle school was bad, especially because puberty and that. For all just... you, if there, wait, if we have any middle school or high school listeners, who cares what other people like? Just like, like your things, <laughs> let other people like right. their things. I it's know. fine. It's all fine. There's no point in like using up your energy to make fun of people. Yeah. I guess sometimes, unless you're like a comedian who gets paid, then maybe it's worth it, but... You're not yeah. that, so. <laughs> no, you're definitely not. <laughs> Anyways, we should have probably wrapped this one up. All right. Adios. Thanks for listening. <laughs>